Hello all, my name is Chris Hayden. I'm the pastor at Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of the podcast you are listening to today. We have once again, Ryan Randur. He is, uh, he's been a guest in the past. He's become a, a very quick and close friend. And uh, this happened to be recorded right after the attack on Capitol Hill. So we talk a little bit about that. As always, like, share, review, rate, subscribe, all that stuff helps. Check out our live show on YouTube every Sunday at 6 p.m. And with no further ado, away we go. Here we are once again. Welcome. With Ryan. Ryan Guest. Ryan, this is the podcast guest I get talked to about the most. Hey, the you know Leb- that Ryan guy? The, Le- the Lebanese, I'm loving these. Relax, I'm relax. Lebanon, I'm Lebanon. Relax, like relax, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> I was thinking we were going to pick up where we left off last time. We were trying to like instill world peace. I believe or... we were just on the cusp of the Solving. Israeli-Palestinian conflict coming to a resolution yes you guys are very we were joining close. the ranks of the honorable jared kushner too bad we have to wait another hundred years for that oh yeah jared kushner's <laughs> peace plan that's a sound peace plan for mm-hmm. you give everything to this person but the other person just hang out uh but um how how have you two been let's switch the podcast over we're switching well, we're literally recording the day after the president incited a violent coup against the United States of America. It made me feel like home. So you like guys home. haven't gotten any closer to world peace. Oh, no, no. It just it made no, me no, feel like home. I, I was talking ah. about other peace, like the rest of the world peace. I was ah. talking to all my cousins. They're like, "Man, you left Lebanon for that?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I know, dude." But people started telling me they're like, "You know, hey, this happens back home." I'm like, "No, it doesn't because back home, you know, like if somebody broke into the Ministry of Parliament or anything like that, it'd no probably question. be bad consequences, yeah, you no know? Question. But uh, on that note, RIP to the uh, young lady that lost her life. There, apparently there there were three other deaths that happened. I haven't read the details yeah. yet. Rest but in like, peace. It was, it was a stronger, it was more deadly than I thought it was. Like, I thought it was obnoxious. And and well, that's not fair. I've gone through the, I've gone through the gamut. I was infuriated. I I like, I've sworn off Facebook, and it was enough to drag me back to Facebook to be like, I've got something to say. I'm gonna fix everything. Listen to me. Like this is the Proud Boy stand up comment. Come and bite him in the ass. And he's like he he's doing it again with the things he it's said. It's not biting him in the ass. Well, well no, maybe it will. I mean, well, we'll po- see. Maybe when the, the time this came out. Because uh, there's talk, there's talk of the 25th Amendment. There's talk. I know uh, articles of impeachment were drawn up today. McConnell's wife resigned from his from Trump's oh, team. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I forgot her name. Something Chow, Elaine Chow, I think. I saw another prominent resignation too. I, well, yeah, man. Morgan Harper Nichols wrote something talking about unity and like. Um, Who? What was Morgan it? Harper Nichols. Morgan Harper Nichols. She is a so she's a poet. Um, she's pretty like Instagram. Like Rachel Held Evans. Poppin. Rest similar. in power. Um, Rachel Held Held Evans. Uh, I still use. Mm-hmm. She died tragically, like just suddenly, and um, but I still use her. Uh, oh, what is it called? Something for doubters. Holy Week for doubters. Mm-hmm. 
uh, on Easter. It's good. It's really, really good. If you're listening, go look up Rachel Held Evans' Holy Week for Doubters. It's beautiful. But Morgan Harper Nichols wrote this thing about unity, just like talking about everything going on. And I thought it was really nice. So I'm going to read it. And it said, there are no two sides of the aisle, quote unquote, in the kitchen. There's a table, there are chairs, there are human beings being bound together by a need for nourishment. And in order for that to happen, we have to bring our ingredients together and work to create a feast so that everyone can be fed. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So where, yeah, where did that go wrong? <laughs> Somewhere along the lines. Well, so, somebody, like, people above us pit us against each other, for one. What I don't understand is how these people, you know, like I said, rest in peace to the people that passed away yesterday. Um, what they did was stupid. There's no way around it. Yeah. But how do these people justify what they're doing in the sense that you're laying your life down for someone who doesn't lose a night's sleep thinking about you? Yeah. You know, and it's like, I understand you're fighting for something. You believe that this change is needed, etc., etc., etc. But flip the script would that person do the same thing for you absolutely not well so here's this is where i think the breakdown comes i i i think that because because i agree with you i i'm with you i i don't think donald trump is a compassionate person i think he's a narcissist like as best i can tell he's winging it with the highest of stakes however i think there is something compassionate and empathetic to engage on the other side which is it's something along the lines of they they believe that he really is for them i don't think they see it the same way as you were describing it because because you were you're kind of saying like he wouldn't he doesn't give he doesn't give a fuck about them basically yeah and i understand I agree that. With it's, it's altered reality you know yeah. what i mean it's not like and also i think they would they would lift up different concerns about the way the world is going um, and about what they see as the cause for economic, their own economic downturn. And, and they would have some good points in it too. They would, I, like people could bring up the idea of corruption that the people in power, regardless of party, whether it's Democrat or Republican are corrupt and they're taking money that they shouldn't take and they're using that power to benefit the wealthy and you know like so they they do have some good points i disagree with their conclusions but they have good evidence where along the lines did your average american think that everything going on in our government was by the book and 100% truthful. This is what, well, and it's you're funny because- you're, you're sounding like how I talk to my dad today exactly. too. And like, I, come, I accept that as a baseline. I, I come from a country that's, you know, if you look up Lebanon, I'd say it's probably in the bottom 10 of the world or the top 10 of the world in corruption. You know what I mean? It's a very corrupt country and they're paying the price now financially because of everything that's going on. I have seen the impact of blindly following leaders just yeah. because they're uttering things that sound good at the dinner table or during Thanksgiving with your drunk uncle. You know what I mean? Yeah. I get that. That sounds cool. He speaks my language. But you it's have to phrase. understand. It's repeatable. Yeah, you have yeah. to understand the impact this is going to have on your livelihood. It's not a good one, you know? Well, also, I would say there's also something to be said for the level of complication 
in in the issues that actually are affecting people now the there things have gotten so complicated like it used to be something simple like well if we don't get rain we're not going to have crops like that's a pretty straightforward as complicated as the biology and the like i don't mean to say that farming is easy because lord knows my my wife's fought my father-in-law is a farmer shout out to all our farmers yeah it's fucking hard like it's complicated and it's gotten even more complicated but there's something about the issues that we're facing now that are very complicated and i and therefore i understand and they're above my head like and i'm a if i do say so myself like i'm a relatively intelligent well-informed educated person like I understand a lot about the world and I still can't begin to scratch the surface on some of these issues because they're so complicated. And so there's something about the attractiveness of somebody who comes along and like offers a simple explanation for a complicated thing. And like fair work or fair pay for fair work, like that, that sounds really good. You and, I, and, and I get that and a hundred percent, you know, I understand that, but you, you, you have to see through the bullshit. This guy came out saying he wants to drain the swamp and yet he was attached to, to the hip of every politician when it was good for him. Well, and then uh, he came out saying what he said because he wants to disconnect from, um, you know, what we see as political, you know what I mean? Even his debates with Biden, he was like, look at him pointing his, pointing at the camera and sounding super presidential. I can say things like bullshit and fuck and pull out guns and shoot people on live television and people still love me. Don't like, doesn't, that's an eerie feeling because it makes me feel, I, I don't know. It just, it, it makes me feel like super out of place because I don't think that's an intellectual. I well, wouldn't follow I, somebody. Yeah, I, I'm, and I, again, I'm with you. I like, I feel the same way. I also can at least empathize and like try and get in the headspace of somebody who, when they see that, they don't feel eerie or off-put. What they feel is relieved that they at least they like speaking my language. They know where that guy stands, or at no. least they think they. I don't think they actually do. That's the problem. I don't think they really do. I think they're being lied to, and I think they're believing a lie. And I think they're in many cases they're choosing to believe a lie, but I do on. I also understand the impulse to be like, he's speaking my he's saying the things I've wanted to say to that Biden for years or that you know whatever that power structure because it's not even about Biden personally, like but that power structure he's saying the things to that power structure that I have wanted to say for years and there's something in that that i think that's what he was selling and i think it's also worth noting that the majority of people who support trump did would never even remotely consider going to the capitol building and violently occupying it to interrupt oh, like a hundred percent like right. so it's like there is a certain amount of like now, don't get me wrong. I think President Trump should be absolutely held responsible for his encouragement and participation in inciting those events. But there's there's also something to be said for, well, there's a certain amount of population who were, even for the best of causes, are going to, and I, like, I would lift up BLM. Black Lives Matter protests, best of causes, best of intentions, 
an overwhelming majority of people trying to make a, a, a positive statement in support of our brothers and sisters who are being treated unfairly. And yet there are, there's a small number of misled people who were literally lighting dumpsters on fires and pushing them towards gas stations. Oh yeah. And people and, running yeah. over cops, right. like yeah. hitting them. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And so you're always going to end up with this percentage of the pot, even in the best of causes, you're going to end up with a percentage of the population who are just, they're just sadistic, uh, violent assholes who want to cause mayhem, you know, like that's just a certain part of the population. And I think we saw that on display. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I really do disagree with Trump's rhetoric and the policies that have become the norm in the, in the, um, uh, Republican party lately. Like I, I, I stand against them. I, I would love to talk with anyone who disagrees with me. Like, uh, let's fucking talk about it. Like, but I also empathize with the group of people who voted and, and supported in hopes that it would bring about an important change. While I disagree with their assessment that Trump is the best mechanism to do that, I definitely agree with the heart of, yeah, there is, there's some fucked up shit going on that needs to be addressed that people are suffering over, you know, like that's, that's an important conversation to, or a, a, an important piece of the conversation that shouldn't be ignored or like put to the side, you know, and then that like when, when 80 million people do the same thing, or however many it was, however many people voted for Trump in the first and the second, like when that many people do it was something, like seventy-seven million or yeah, some, yes, yeah, so it's tens of million, you know, under a hundred but over fifty. When that many people in the United States do the same thing, it's not okay to then just say, "Well, they're stupid and they don't know." Like absolutely, there's like, a lot no, of intellectual people on. that vote yeah. for, voted for Trump, and I, I respect. I that. I think they're wrong. I disagree with them. I think they're wrong, but let's not dismiss them. Let's not, and let's not put them all in the same basket as these assholes, these violent, in my opinion, treasonous criminals who should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And in my most angry moments yesterday, I was saying, let's hang them from trees. Let's, let's like have a quick speedy trial and hang them publicly and let everyone know that you don't fucking stop an election. Like not in this country, not in this, like, like, now I'm backing off from that because that is certainly my anger speaking and not my like heart and my reasoning. Um, but I do, I, I still am in the place of like, we should prosecute every person who entered the Capitol building, whether it's a fine or prison time, depending on their level of intrusion. Like we should absolutely find each and every person that we can prosecute them and sentence them and but you know they're using this right like china's using this mm -hmm. trying to say that their system of government's a lot better mm -hmm. and you know russia's using this you know they're coming out and saying well that you look at the look at the evil west and how they treat people there's and how an argument this. to be made that this was absolutely the best of all end results of russia's plan that was set in motion six years ago do you know what made me laugh the hardest was when the Turkish president came out 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, you jailed 90,000 yeah, people right. in one day. Yeah. Don't come out and say what we're doing is, please. Like, there's, yeah. you know, these people, they're, they're so, they're, the, the way they frame things is so interesting. But and, it, and they but try to, it like, works. It's, it's a similar messaging. Like, there's a group of people who, when their president comes out and says that, there's a group of people in that country who feel safer or who, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that, that's, the, that's the issue. Like, it's the, what's more important to us, the feeling of safety or really truly getting to the bottom of as best we can what's going on. But then that comes with problems too, because some so much of like so much of the issues are bottomless. Like you can just go and go and go and go and go. Right. You know, and like you never end up finding the ultimate final truth of it. That gut feeling I get when I'm here is very different from when I came to the states five years ago. You know, like when I came to the states five it's, years yeah, ago, I left. It's very different. I, I left Lebanon, and you know, in Lebanon, you have your your specific political parties that people support and based off of where you come from in that country you're basically you know painted with a broad brush you support this political party i'm from the south yeah not at all like here yeah so well exactly (laughs) exactly so but but i didn't see it to that magnitude and to that extent when i came here five years ago yeah. And, you know, when I left I, Lebanon, I it was it's a wake up call. It was like, wow, man, people here are so, you know, like back home, where are you from? Oh, you're from the South. People look at you differently. Oh, shit. He's from the South. You know who he supports? Oh, What's my God. You know, and, and don't, don't bring up gay people. Yeah. It's <laughs> like and, and, and you know, we're kind of like that. Like people from the South are like um, like the resistance supporters like, yeah. you know like specific militias in lebanon and people from the north are more so uh, a, a different political party Aryanite. aligned with the u.s yeah um people right. from the far north you know it's so well, it's, interesting it's a little bit like rural urban mm-hmm. yeah like there's there's a similar thing going on yeah you know and it's so interesting but when like i came edu- here educated versus uneducated 100 you know? and when i came here it wasn't it wasn't like that you know everybody there there was that love that people shared with one another and i think that just went to shit over five years i would argue that it's always been like we like we've been we've been dealing with the shit since the civil war it's but we've had better and worse times of it yeah and it's it almost always comes out when there are like social issues and this one's a little different because I don't think this was a result of social issues as much as it was classist issues. 100%. I, th- I think there was just, uh, I mean, like, in 2016, when Bernie Sanders kind of got shafted by the, the Democratic. DNC. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, the DNC just kind of just didn't do him right. And it led to a bunch of people, I think, having the feeling of, then let's burn the whole thing down. And the idea, and I, full full disclosure, I voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's, oh God, it's a David Chappelle bit. I'm, I realize I'm quoting David Chappelle as I do it. <laughs> I voted for her because I liked what she said far better than I liked what he said. But I didn't feel good about it. Like, I wouldn't say I felt good about it. Yeah. You know? And he, of course, he makes a, I won't steal his thunder and his punchlines and stuff he makes a much better funnier point about it but like there is something to that where i 
I did it because I really truly believed that she would be a better leader, but she wasn't an inspiring good leader that I right. wanted to vote for. She was just not <clears throat> the worst, you know, like bless you. Um, and there, I think there's a lot of other people who went the other way they, that they were like, and, and I think more, more than not, maybe like, I'm, maybe I won't vote for Trump, but I'm not going to vote for... I was for... this close to voting for Trump because a few of my cousins were coming here and I didn't really like them, so I was like, fuck y'all. You know, because they closed <laughs> yeah, the borders on them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I would have never voted for him. And the reason I would never vote for him is because my mom looked at me dead in the eye and she said, if you, ever, if you vote for Trump, don't come home. And I was like, damn. She doesn't mean it. She's a sweetheart. Election. She 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 doesn't mean it. That she, election, I voted third party. This election, I yeah. I mean, either way. So but, I think you're you were joining. You joined a lot of people who were like, I'm definitely not voting for Trump, but I just can't bring yeah. myself to vote for like. Yeah. I think you're nope. with a lot of people. And I had a lot more. I was a lot more okay with voting for Biden than I was voting for Hillary. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, by, by far, by landslides and multitudes. Well, it's the other thing, too. Like, there, uh, the, the divide that you were talking about, right? The, the, like, the difference between now and five years ago. I th and, in fact, Courtney and I were literally just talking about this. I've noticed in the past four years or so that it's much harder for me to have really nuanced opinions, like, I'm not, a, like, if I believe in systemic racism, then I necessarily must believe in a, in a just a list of other things. And when I look at that list, I'm going like, oh, no, 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 don't sign me up for half of these. Like, I don't, I don't agree with all, like. Yeah, I, they like, just align you with yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, then, and then likewise on the other side too, like, because I'm, I'm a gun owner. Like, I, I believe in the Second Amendment. Now, that comes with this other list of things that's like, well, no, 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 like, I, no, I think we should license and track gun. Like, I think we should absolutely, you should prove that you're capable of using one safely before you're allowed to own one. Like, absolutely, the government should be monitoring this shit. Like, it matters. Like, but like, you're not allowed to have, depending on what crowd you're in, like, well, what you're, you're four guns, and that means you're four people owning nuclear weapons. It's like, yeah. well, no, like, or you're like, you believe in systemic racism. And that means like, you absolutely believe that all cops are racist. I'm like, well, no. You see <laughs> like, the similarities there? Yeah. Like I told you back home, it's the same thing. You're ultimately aligned with a specific right. group just because of where you're from yeah. or maybe one belief that you have. You know what I mean? I told you I was in a relationship for four years with this, with this girl. She was Greek Orthodox Christian. If you've anyone's listened to my previous podcast, I'm not a big time believer uh, in the sense that I'm not super religious, right? Um, we'll go over that soon after all the cool stuff I've done with Kindred UMC. <laughs> a few things have changed. But back then, I wasn't a big time believer. But just because of where I came from and the family I was born into, my family name, their parents never accepted. Her parents never accepted me. Her parents always were like, oh, he's a Muslim. You're gonna come yeah. home one day veiled. You know what I right. mean? Yeah. And and because, for four years because of one thing they know about exactly. you. Exactly. They presume they know everything and about then, you. And then guess what? Because of that, they had a preconceived notion of my of me. 
even though I was, you know, well-spoken, I, I was going to school for like a, a well, I was getting a good degree, well all that crap. I know, right? <laughs> um, but it, it was so interesting to me because they never really took what I had to say with, you know, with any uh, emphasis. But basically, they're just like, oh, Ryan's talking, fuck well, him. And they don't, they don't hear you for what you're actually present, like... Like, Same thing, right? Hey, this is my actual heart. This is my actual belief. This is why I believe that. This is why I think that. This is what I actually want for my life. And like, and no, ultimately, that's that why it's all just it goes past. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. We are we are dealing with similar problems in this culture for sure. And I, you know, when I was saying about five years ago, comparatively to now, as someone who lived in a different country in a different continent and came to North America, came to the United States, I have noticed a difference from where we were five years ago to now. You're right, it, was, it, it was all pushed down. Now everything's kind of like surface level, right? Yeah. And you can see it, but I feel just different. I feel judged it's, sometimes, well, it's, you it's know? It's bubbling up everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like, there is something to be said for, um, I, I am often anxious and troubled, and I don't like that for sure, and I prefer it not feeling that way. However, there is something to be said for it bubbling up to the surface so that it can be seen and addressed and dealt with. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that was one of, I mean, not, definitely not worth it, but that is at least one of the things positively we can take away from what happened yesterday. After, after a literal attempted coup, a lot of Republican uh, senators and representatives suddenly changed their tune because it was like, well, we can't ignore that. Right. It's the like, senator from Georgia. What's her name? The, the one that switched Leffler. her to, Oh, yeah, Kelly Leffler. She was so, she was so, like, down to, I'm going to object everything, everything's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then after that happened, she goes, ah, uh, yeah, I'm not for that. Yeah. So, yeah, if this is where this leads, then no thank you. you know. Lindsey Graham, actually, I, I watched his speech on the floor, and I was like, well... I was waiting I, for it. I've never once agreed with Lindsey Graham yeah. about just about <laughs> anything. You know, it's like, well, hell yeah, Lindsey Graham, you got it, man. Like you nailed it. You, that's exactly it. Like, sure enough. Do you think they should invoke the Twenty Fifth Amendment? I think they should. I think I think Trump incited, and intentionally incited a coup against the United States government. I think he's guilty of treason. I I I think he should not only be removed from office. I think he should be tried for treason under the federal, I can't remember the numbers. I, I literally posted it, the definition, the legal definition of treason. Of treason. On my like this is treason. You incited war against the most sacred of all our principles, which is that the people choose who represents them. That there is nothing more sacred in this country than a human's freedom to choose their representative and their leader. Yeah. That is the end all be all of who we are and what we stand for. 
That's why we're not Russia. We're not yeah. 99% like, for this person. Yeah, <laughs> you it's know, just it's... like, like it, and, and without that, there is nothing. Without that, you have Russia, China, Cuba, North Korea, like fill in the blank. You know, these hell holes, these places where people are just oppressed. And they're not all hell holes. I don't mean to like throw out the baby with the bathwater, but like North certainly Korea. in yeah, North Korea, maybe. <laughs> but like in China, there are certainly people who prosper, but there's also there's people that suffer. People who are yeah. like journalists who are regularly assassinated and jailed, and like like you, like you are not allowed to speak. The Rohingyas, like yeah, like, like the, yes, the people, yeah, the like, people who are just, just like jailed for for their religion, for their yeah, for their ethnicity and their yeah. background. They're just yeah. jailed and like and just like nobody look at this. Anybody who points at this will fucking kill you. Like and like so yeah so. There is, again, I got worked up yesterday in a pretty big way, and I'm still pretty worked up because there is nothing more. And, and, this, and this also speaks to my theology, too. If there's one thing that I think God seems to value above all, it is the gift of free will to human consciousness. And it's to, the, it's to a pretty horrifying extent also. Like, don't get me wrong, I struggle with this shit, too. But like what we know about God is that when a child is being abused, God is present, has the power to stop it, knows that it's happening, and does not stop it. <laughs> That's what we know about God. And I know that because I was abused. Like, well, I know, and I was praying actively, God help me, don't let this happen, stop this. And God did not. And there's something like now that's horrifying and, and there's a lot of work to do theologically and to like reconcile the relationship with God. Like I like and I Lord knows I've walked that path. But if nothing else we can learn from that, the one thing I can take away from that is that God utterly, utterly values human freedom to the point where he allows us to hurt each other. Okay, so we had yet another, oh, that's the chair. We had yet another audio snafu, which should be the name of our podcast, Audio Snafu. Coming to you live from audio, podcast. Uh, audio Snafu Studio. Um, oh, gosh. So uh, Ryan has brought up an excellent point that this is supposed to be an Enneagram podcast, and we have not even remotely talked about Enneagram. So... Uh, yeah, we've been covering important world events, and um, it occurs to me that we did at some point talk about, between the last podcast and now in conversation, the possibility of you being a different type. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't think you I are. don't think so. I remember having that conversation, but I think where I kind of landed on that, and we can talk more about it, is that you're a three with a strong two wing. So you're an achiever, but your two wing might be a little stronger. Two is supporter. Mm -hmm. Two is the helper, the supporter, just wants to help, just wants to mm -hmm. take care of other people. Um, const I'm a two, constantly yes manning, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's funny because this came up in our disciple group final eval, so I can't really like yeah, we can't get into, into it. Yeah. it. But where you I can self-disclose anything you want about yourself, but we cannot talk about you or anybody else in the group. But what I what I came to from that experience and from hearing a little bit of your story on that day was that you just really care about 
helping others and being there for others and protecting others. But I still think your core motivation is to achieve. I just think you have a strong two wing. Yeah, and um, you know, you had asked me before we had our last audio snafu uh, whether or not. Or yes, to update us. Dot com. Audiosnafu.com and Enneagram podcast. So a lot's changed um, from my last podcast. I was still kind of reeling off of, you know, a lot of uh, emotional trauma that I dealt with at the end of 2019 to 2020. Um, and a whole lot's changed since. Uh, I have really been able to immerse myself in the Kindred UMC group. Um, I got a lot of direction from you, Chris, uh, and I wouldn't have been able to even get that direction if it hadn't been for Courtney and Matt, meeting them, having them bring me, bring me into this. And you know, my, my self not say, being reluctant, right? Yeah, I that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's something about now, I, I definitely don't think of us as master and student, so please don't read too much into that language. But there's an old phrase uh, in martial arts, that, and I, like, I love martial arts, but there's an old phrase, like, when the student is ready, the master appears. You know? Yeah, and that's there's, true. there's something about the, like, yeah, man, you were ripe for, like, I'm ready to get into this Yeah, shit. I remember it was, like, the second or third time we had hung out and you asked me so what do you do and I, I started to explain I was like oh I work for a church it's not your normal church we're, we're rowdy and you you stop me and you go all right how open are you and I said I'm an open book ask me anything Ryan and you like you know you started kind of talking about some of the stuff that you had been through and your grievances with the church and we talked about it and I said well we have a bible study on Mondays you're welcome we always hang out afterwards you don't have to come to the bible study part I know you're not religious come hang out It'd be fun. And I, I very distinctly remember this moment. You looked at me and you said, oh, no, I'll be at your Bible study on Monday. <laughs> I'll be there. And you showed up. And ever since then, like, you've been a very integral part of a lot of what we do. And I think Chris is right. Like, you, you were ready. You wanted it. You wanted to be a part of something. I wanted to because, you know, I, I, I got to know you guys. If some random person came up to me who I didn't know and said, hey, you know, I have a Bible study going on every Monday. I'd probably say no, you know, that's cool, good for you. But I actually got to know all of you and I saw that you're very different, you're very accepting, you you allow people to share their beliefs whether or not it's in line with what you believe in and you foster conversation and discussions and I think that's super integral, especially nowadays. Yeah, they, um, otherwise what used to be known as the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know when we got addicted to this ridiculous idea that everyone should think exactly the same way, but it certainly wasn't the original way. And from Bible study came discipleship group. Um, and, you know, in discipleship group, I grew a lot. And, uh, you know, recently I, I, I got into a relationship with my girlfriend, Heather. Facebook and official? Yeah, it is Facebook, Facebook, Facebook official. I remember the day because my wife, Francisca, we were sitting on the couch and she turned to me, like we were watching something or whatever and she was on her phone like she always is, just kind of like whatever. And then she went, whoa! And I went, what? And she went, it's Facebook official. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, that's, that's, that's very big for me. And, yeah. Um, you know, that, that shift from getting a divorce to getting back into the swing of things you know, don't get me wrong, I went through that little mode of, you know, I'll call it promiscuity to people that are actually promiscuous. This is probably not, the, you know, the, the real thing. But I got to know people, not sexually promiscuous, but, 
just from the fact that I was getting to know multiple people, you know, having multiple conversations, etc. And then, you know, when I met Heather, things were, were good um, and are good. But then it went into a relationship to which, you know, at the beginning, I'm not going to lie, I was very hesitant because I didn't know if I was ready. But I made the jump. So far, things have been decent. Things have been good. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward for more to come. Uh, but, you know, to anyone out there, my transition into who I am today came through months and months of hard work on myself, taking myself out of that comfort zone, you know, yeah. um, to where I was just like sitting with my thoughts and immersing myself into this group and talking to it's people. The, it's the counterintuitive. Things. It's the stuff that everything in your body tells you not to feel or deal with. Well, and to steal a Chris line, it's the Christ story. It is the Christ story. I said it. <laughs> it is. Like, it's the, your, the invitation is to the cross, not to like, like, like Christians so often want to have the invitation be heaven. And it's like, eh, the kingdom of heaven comes later. But the thing, the first thing is take up your cross, like take up the, the parts of yourself that you are ashamed of, the parts of yourself that you're scared of. That, Die to the that thing hurt. that you think will literally destroy yeah. you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the representation of the cross. And like, that's what we did, discipleship group. And I think, you know, um, me being super assertive when I first came to the group, um, you know, having that kind of, I, I put off that vibe of, oh, here Ryan comes, you know, the guy who doesn't give a fuck, the guy who's always making jokes, etc. Et that was literally the thing. Yeah. One of the questions about it was like, uh, what do you think you can offer your peers and that was a con that was a consistent thread of like i i think i can teach you how to give less of a fuck a little bit 100 percent. yeah and I, I, I thrive off of that i, mean, I haven't changed that but, and but. like that's what's beautiful about it that exactly. you didn't lose it no that it, that's not something that needed to be like defeated or whatever it's it's like that's still part of you and is, and is still very valuable and yeah. your art of not giving a fuck is something that i very much admire like, like about it, you. it like, actually did because work it, well and because it comes across <laughs> genuinely like it's when you when you say that like it's it's like laughy and jokey because it's like a cool little one-liner or whatever but like there's something so genuine and i admire it about you that you care so much about who you are and your growth and your, you know, what you prioritize, that you're confident in setting those boundaries. You're, 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 you know what you're okay with people saying to you and what you're not okay with people saying to you. You're very like open, but also very like transparent in your communication. As two, those are all things that I have a hard time with, especially when it comes to like criticism and you know I give way too many fucks I have the opposite problem and so like it is something that I look at you and I've learned from you in a lot of ways is how to be better about boundary setting how to communicate when I'm frustrated without like crying or losing my shit like I think it's very admirable yeah and, and you know I have, I have a lot of uh, room to grow on that but I think like from the group what I learned is I have to bring my emotions to the table and I have to talk about you know yes this sucks and I am uncomfortable. I, I'm not fine, you know, uh, and one mm -hmm. of the conversations I had because this pertains to me, I'll that's, share it. That's very, I think that's a very powerful statement. Yeah. I'm, not, yeah. I'm not fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm not fine. And yeah. Until this day, I'm not fine. But guess what? Because we're taught to say the opposite. I'm right. better. I'm better. 
I'm not fine, but I'm much better than where I was. But even just the power and like the like everyday, like you know, so like I had, I actually had a really great interaction with my dad today. Um, it started because I misunderstood what he was saying. He he responded to something I wrote on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I and it sounded to me like he was just like straight up calling me names. Mm-hmm. And I and I and it was a misunderstanding. He, like that's not at all what he meant. But I did text. The, I would never know that because like we grow up in a world where you're taught to be like, okay, I'm fine. But I I risked vulnerability and I texted him and said, hey, that hurt my feelings. And then he called me and was like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I sorry, I was doing this, and I was like, oh, that helps me so much like like and and not that it you know that's a little bit of a Pollyanna story but like not you know because it won't work out that way all the time but there's something about the power of like I'm not fine it's not okay this is not all right right now like this sucks Mm -hmm. (laughs) like and and we can't really get to again this like kingdom of heaven language you can't get to the kingdom of heaven which is supposed to be here and now, not some distant, far-off thing. But you can't get to the kingdom of heaven without being able to confess, at least in small ways, hey, the, the, I'm not doing okay. This is not all right. I'm suffering. I'm ill-equipped for this challenge. I don't, I'm not sure how to go forward. I'm not, you know, like, you, like it requires a small death. It requires like a, some kind of a sacrifice where you can go like, no, I'm not fine. I need help. And in my family, you know, because I, I have three older brothers, it was always, you're not fine? You're good. Relax. Calm down. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Get over it, you mm-hmm. know? And it was always a quick, get over it. You're good. So coming here, especially after my divorce, you know, it was very difficult talking to my family because they just told me how amazing I was, which is cool, fine and dandy. But at the same time, it's like, this isn't helping me grow as a person. Well, when it com- especially when it comes with an expectation. Right. Mm-hmm. You're amazing, and we expect you to be amazing. Well. So it, it, was, it was very interesting, and especially like with discipleship group, it, you know, like I said, it took me out of my comfort zone, but just doing that and the fact that I was accepted into the group, being, I believe, the only one who isn't actively showing any signs of religion, if that makes any sense. Um, and just coming out of it and learning so much, like I learned from one of the disciples that confronted me, uh, because this pertains to me, I'm going to share it. He, he, they said, they were like, you come off so strong. You come off like you have everything figured out. And yet, I've seen a very different side of you here at Discipleship. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, absolutely. That was the aim. Mm-hmm. To let down my guard, to share, you yeah. know, some of the things that are extremely difficult for me to share. Because I'm, I'm the type of person, I believe in negativity and negativity overshadowing everyone else. You know, if you walk into a room and you're super negative and you're gloomy and everything is awful, I am a true believer. And it may be just for me because I absorb that, but I'm a true believer and it's, it's toxic for the room. If you're just always coming into a room and you're always negative and you're making sure everybody knows it, it's toxic. It spreads like a wildfire. So I always try my, like, I always try to think, who would I want to be around? So when I show up, even if I have a fucked up day, which I do a lot, 
I just show up and, you know, I might be a little upset at the beginning, but a few jokes are cracked and we're back at it. Yeah. We're good. I'm, I'm literally just keeping an eye on things. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think there's something to the, like what you're saying about the letting your guard down. And, and this is also my type. I'm a type four being seen is a big deal to me but there's something there's a there's an incredible value in the like yeah this is a place where i can be seen as not having it all together all the time where in other places in life that would be dangerous you know like that that might actually be costly and like in a professional setting or even even just like a like a, like a romantic set, and you know you, by that time you were in a uh, like a committed relationship, but like in, in the in the scene like in the dating season, like it's hard to just be vulnerable when you're trying to like attract someone or be attract like like these are hard things that do not come naturally that no one ever is taught. They're, we're just expected to kind of like bring your best self to the table. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we'll figure it out. I love that you said bring your best self to the table. When really, what I think we need to be striving for is bringing your full self to the table, bringing your whole self to the table. That's what we said during discipleship, and I think that's one of our axioms: bring your whole self to the conversation. And and people always think it's no. You want to bring your best self. You don't want to show anybody that you're going through shit. You want to show everybody the best version of you. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely, you do. But that's not reality. And I would argue that your best self is the you that is, is going yeah, is, through yeah. shit. Is the you that is dealing with stuff. Sure. Like, I would argue that that's part of what yeah, being your I best, mean, most full self. There, the, yeah, there's something about the... <sighs> so, uh, I, mean, I hate to just keep doing the, the preacher thing. But I'm going to keep doing the preacher thing. Preach. Like, there's something about the, like, our... In Christianity, the God we worship is not an end-all, be-all, amazing... Like, the worship God is a man on a cross, naked, ashamed, before his family. Like, there's something about the ugliness of it. Now, don't get me wrong. There's certainly plenty of, like, glory and the heavens shine down and how dare you like the wrath of God and the honest and, and there there's plenty of that also but I love that there is an incorporation and like and every good faith does this like the Buddha is is a really good example Muhammad is a really good example like there, there's plenty of faiths that do this where they ground the deity in the humanity that we're actually in shout out yeah, well, and there, there's an there's like a, there's an imperfection to the perfection, you know, mm-hmm. and I like that's what I read into in the whole self. Like the whole self is the best self, because who wants a perfect example? Who wants the best version of a person? Mm-hmm. Now, what we what we want is the real person. And see, that's the beautiful aspect of you know what you guys have here, and the, you know your Christianity what you guys what what you have preached to me since day one you know and what you follow and i think that you know it's so different from what i'm used to i I could remember a story when i was younger there was this muslim preacher talking about how um this life is nothing this life means nothing the afterlife 
is the life you need to, you know, you, you should strive for. And, you know, you should accept Allah. And, you know, Allah, by the way, to everybody listening, is God, but it's how you say God in Arabic. So don't. It's, don't, it's literally just the yeah, word God. Don't, don't throw Duck Dynasty stuff at me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's good. Everyone's like, oh, you, you live believe in the Allahs. You do too. That's what Christians call a God, yeah. where I'm from. But, anyways, right, what yeah. he was saying was so off putting. It was like, okay, so if I don't. Um, completely have this submissive view and give myself to God now and just disregard this life and just say, you know what, I'm living for the, for the next life. That doesn't make any fucking sense to me. There's no, there's no positivity there. And I have friends that, that, you know, I have friends that are Sufi Muslims. I have friends that are Sunnis, that are Shiites, that have great, um, that great sheikhs or pastors. We call them sheikhs in Arabic. And that say things completely different, that are super open, that are super kind. The only issue is I've never heard them. They tell me, yes, you know, we have this, but I've never heard them. And the same thing goes for Christian um, pastors back yeah. home. You know, the super hard, I would say here yeah, also. Yeah, super right wing, you know, Christian, Christian, Christian. Whereas when I came here, you guys have this like openness. And to be honest with you, after everything I've been through, and I was baptized as a child. I was thinking of getting, a, getting baptized again, you know? And, and that's like, that's a big thing for me because I'm not, you know, I keep saying I'm not religious, but, you know, I love what you guys do. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just very different. I've never really yeah. it. I've never been part of a family like this <clears throat> other than my own family. Well, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll get you drunk enough one night <laughs> and then we'll just take you out back and we'll fill up a kiddie pool and... <laughs> so all this kind of conversation kind of ties into what I really wanted to talk right about, which is inner child. Um, so since you've been on the podcast, we've been talking a little bit more about inner child with guests that are on the podcast. I'm curious to see how this resonates with you. Um, so I'm going to read this. It's from Michael Shaham Therapy. Um, um, so listen to it. Let me know what you identify with, what you balk at. I'm just going to talk about it. Um, basically, the way this works is that um, you're, so you're a type three, which is an achiever. Um, but this stems from what you needed as a child. Um, and so the inner child of a type three is a type six, which is the loyalist safety and security oriented. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's my stepmom. Yeah. Shout out to Donna. If you happen to be listening. Okay. So I'm going to read <laughs> this out. and we'll go from there. Behind the efficient and composed veneer of a three lies a very frightened child. Shy, timid, self-doubting, and insecure, this soul child experiences the world as a hostile and male malevolent place. No matter how many achievements a three has accomplished, he still experiences himself deep down as one of the weaklings in the struggle for survival. Coming to grips with this child who experiences the ground beneath him as inherently shaky and unsupportive is necessary for the development of the three. As he increasingly acknowledges his fear and sees how much of a driving force it is within his psyche, his anxious inner child will feel held and thus more secure. Um, yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, I, I'm definitely not as fearful as, as Michael Sheehan made it sound. Um, I, I think for me, there's a lot of things that I have to come to terms with. Um, and my inner child definitely, you know, does have that, you know, there, there, are, there are some kinks in my armor, you'd say, but I don't think it's that deep because I'm, 
I'm pretty confident in my ability to address situations, but sometimes if I'm unable to, um, let me say, address it fully, like address a problem or an obstacle I have to the fullest capacity, I may, I may doubt myself mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. You know, even though the job's getting done, it's done, just not done to my liking. And I don't think I'm a perfectionist, don't get me wrong. Um, But I I do think that in certain times, I doubt myself, albeit, you know, minuscule doubt. Well, it might tap into that fear of worthlessness or of not being valued or... Oh, 100%. I don't, I, that issue of worthlessness and not being valued is a, is a, is a little fucking monkey on my back that just digs and digs and digs 100%. I'm going through that. Boss, if you're listening to this, because he listened <laughs> to my last podcast, I'm going through that at work. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I put my whole self in what I do. I feel like I'm miles ahead of everyone else. And this is at my job. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not talking just in general terms. I'm talking right. about my job. So that that always fucks me up, and I believe that that spills into my personal life. Well, I think it's interesting because in the the caption, it actually expands a little more as well, and this kind of ties back to what we were talking about with your family. So I want to share it. Um, it says. Adult threes likely experienced some kind of instability in their childhood where they felt fearful, but no one stepped in to comfort and ease that fear. These are the kids who were told to quote unquote toughen up and rub some dirt in it. So they did. They squashed down anxiety and uncertainty. You you already talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. They squashed down anxiety and uncertainty and put on a brave face and set out to show the world what they were made of, even though they were still trembling inside. In health and growth, a three can learn to recognize their fears and anxieties and actually address them instead of pretending they don't exist. They learn how to cope with things that make them feel unstable and eventually calm their inner selves and relax knowing that they are capable and they have a support system to lean on when they need it. And that's the journey I went through with Kindred UMC, 100%. I think, I mean, that's perfect. That literally just explained anybody, where are we at in the podcast? Just fast forward to this part. You listen to most of the podcast. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, I I, I agree with that 1000%. And um, like I said, like you said, uh, regarding what, what we covered in discipleship group, bring your whole self, your full self to the table, you know? show some form of vulnerability be okay with saying everything is not all right i am going through something currently you know and i think i was never comfortable with that i was never comfortable with saying you know i i always how are you doing ryan good yeah I would never say, you know, I, I'm not feeling too well. You know, it's, yeah, today kind of sucks. Today yeah, kind of sucks. Rough. <laughs> but now I say that, yeah. you know, it's different. You know, if you're like, "How you doing, man?" I'm like, you know, it's all right. Just fucking this and that. <laughs> I remember, I remember, because working for a church, I remember the day that I that I just decided I was just going to answer the question honestly, mm. and like, and it was, and it was during a season where I was particularly wrestling with God. I've talked about it a lot, but like I was, I was wrestling with God, like just was angry and hateful towards God, actually. And working in church and people are like, Hey, how are you doing? I'm like, pretty shitty. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Oh, 
Uh, I'm praying for you. Yeah, it's like, thanks, I appreciate it. Let's go. Yeah, there's something about that. um, It it is, now, I think there are more, I think there are better ways to do that than what I just demonstrated because, well, like, I, I was mostly going for the laugh. But there is a way to be like, Hey man, how's it going? And, and to recognize the moment of this is a relationship I trust, I can say, I'm not doing great at all. And where I can trust that that person's going to be like, I care about you, let's talk. Or a person who is literally just like, like you know, if your manager comes in, it's like, how you doing? And you're like, oh, pretty bad, man. Me and my dad didn't have a great conversation the other right. night, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. <laughs> he like, already walked like, out. Okay. <laughs> like, there's something about recognizing the context. Like, your manager comes in and being able to be like, you know, how are you doing? Like, eh, I've had better days. What do you need? You know, like, but there's still a way to, like, be honest to yourself, to not lie and not be, but but also recognize, like, the task at hand or you know, the, the context of the relationship or like, you know, hey, you need something from me. What, you know, what can I do? How can I help you? You know, there's something about that, like that. Listen, I, this is like coming to terms and it's it, it's it's like it's hitting all the essential little bells in my head after after our separation, which was um, mid-December. Going into January, I, I went back to work, right? And so I'm working, everything's fine. At least that's how what I'm showing. And everybody's talking to me and everybody who, you know, normally walks by me is always like, you know, hey, how are you? You know, how's the wife? And I always freeze, right? This was back in January. I always freeze. I'm like, yeah, you know, everything's fine. Yeah, right? right. Yeah, you know everything's fine. Yeah. And I leave, and this is when I used to I still smoke cigarettes. And I'd leave, and I go outside, I go to my car, I go in the parking lot, I'd park in the corner, and I'd smoke a cigarette. My fucking anxiety would be through the roof. Mm-hmm. And this happened to me for probably close to over what, a month or a little bit over a month. But I still got the job done. I still hit my metrics. I still, you know what I mean. I did yeah. everything essential you for achieved. work. You I still achieved. But I pushed all this crap down yeah and it resurfaced you know when it resurfaced when matt came and gave me that shot it resurfaced on my birthday and i didn't cry for a while and then on my birthday which is in may just imagine that so like january i I broke down i i had like a nervous breakdown at the end of the night just happy most people left and um (laughs) yeah it was terrible and then couple weeks later i went to my first bible study and just shit completely shifted and um it it was just it was just so interesting like i was going through that people were asking me how you were and i was like good what's up that was my response to everything good what's up what do you need yeah and people knew that's not me people always knew that when i say when people ask me how are you how are you doing i always spark a conversation yeah some people at work actually do care yeah like they're not your managers who need something from you but they're your coworkers who are like how are you doing shout out to my manager he he actually did care um after after everything that happened you know he told me go home take as much time as you need um i'm definitely not fucking sharing this link with him though he ain't ain't listening to podcast number two yeah don't do that uh i've almost exclusively worked for people like that and it's the best way to fly there have been exceptions 
and I could name them, which I will not because that is inappropriate <laughs> and unprofessional. Uh, there have been exceptions, but almost exclusively I've, I've worked with people who quite frankly gave me far more than I deserved in those types of times. Yeah. And that's, I, the, way, and that's yeah. the only way to fly, it, man. It could have been so much more difficult. <laughs> I if, could have made if, a lot more money too, working for other people. Like I, I could uh, like that. And it's not fucking worth it. Yeah. And I, I could too right now, you know, I, I just had somebody leave my, my, my current, uh, uh, um, company and go to a different company in sales and is making a lot more money. But guess what? With, re- with regards to my manager, what he did for me just during that period of time when I was going through all of that, I just don't see anyone else doing that. When yeah. COVID hit and it completely shut down all borders, we immigrate nurses from other countries. So basically we're like, uh, now we're just is, managing clients yeah. that we have nurses here. For my yeah. And, and he was like, you know what? Just keep pushing, keep pushing. Do what you gotta do, <laughs> right. set clients up for December because this is gonna get better. Nobody else would have done that. I, w- I have friends that are in sales. They got furloughed. Literally, COVID became a thing. And like 10 minutes later, they got furloughed for like eight months. Yeah. So it's, you know, like I'm, I'm very grateful for what I have. And secondhand, I'm extremely grateful for having you guys because I wouldn't have been able to pull through that shit. And I think the best thing for these podcasts is that people understand that it's not wrong to or it's it's not bad or it doesn't show a flaw in your character to admit that you aren't having the best day you know yeah yeah for sure in fact i would say that it's it's a it's a pretty powerful first step into actual connection with people around you yeah Mm -hmm. because in my experience and i certainly suffered from this too there's something about like feeling lonely even amongst the people that you live your day-to-day life with. Yep. Whether it be coworkers or family or friends or whatever, there's something about feeling lonely in the mixed midst of a group of people. Mm-hmm. And like if you feel that way, which a lot of people do and I certainly did, like the first step towards that is is simply starting to be honest about how you feel. And if you feel great, then by all means feel great and say you feel great but if you don't then risk being a little honest with that right Mm -hmm. just risk just take the small risk being a little honest with that and in my experience most of the time you will find that like and with exception of like i don't know if you're like in a multi-million dollar law firm where they're all you know out to get you or whatever (laughs) but like most people who are working in an office or working in some kind of typical job like taking that risk actually brings you closer to other people and them closer to you because they're almost certainly feeling the same thing like it's it's a step towards connection which is kind of my big like one of my big things. This actually brings brings this into question for me, like, uh, or actually brings this into perspective for me. I had a, a colleague of mine that always used to walk by my office constantly every day, and we'd, he'd always walk by and say, "Hey, what's up?" And I'd be like, "Hey, what's up, man? How are you?" Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Small talk every day, every day. For a month, I don't remember seeing him. Think myself, I'm like, dude, what the hell? I go upstairs, I see him in the corridors, and I'm like, "Hey, man." Uh, how you been? You know, have you been off? What's going on? He goes, no, dude, I've been downstairs. 
Man, I was like, so, you know, I, I didn't make an attempt to look up because I was working. So I, it's difficult for me to look at everybody who walks by my corridor. So he was walking. He just never said hi anymore. Mm. You know, as soon as I thought that, the first question I asked him, I'm like, hey, bud, is everything okay? And he goes, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. I'm like, dude, are you sure? Because, you know, you can always you can always tell me if something's up. You know, I'm here for you. Just always know that, man. My door technically, and, and as you can see, is always open. It's literally open. It's <laughs> literally open. So a week later, he showed up to my office, and he starts talking to me. He goes, yeah, man, you know, I broke up with my girlfriend. We've been together for six years. I'm like, damn, six years. It's a long time. And, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I understand breakups. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, I was like, I understand breakups. And then guess what fostered and came up out of that? A gym relationship. Because we start like, then we started going back to the gym, which leads into this. And that's why I've been going to the gym for again for a past month and a half. Went to the gym a few times and that was cool. Um, and then that stopped, but I kept going. But, you know, just asking him, hey, are you sure you're okay? Just yeah. so you know, you can always come and tell me if you're not. And he actually did. He took that upon himself to come tell me, dude, I'm not too good. I just lost my girlfriend, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that's awesome. That vulnerability that he didn't show for over a month, you know, and he just kept it to himself. Just the fact that I acknowledged that, hey, that's dude, a, where you been? That's a painful month. Yeah. yeah. Just sit in silence. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I guess it's all on me now. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's hard, man. Every, um, it was tough for me because everybody I'd call after my divorce didn't believe me for like the first 30, 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half of the call. They thought I was playing like fucking like a prank on them. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, no, dude, listen, this isn't a prank. I I'm swear. I'm not joking. I am getting a divorce. <laughs> so. This is not funny. Oh, all the time. Be like, hey, listen, listen to this joke Ryan made. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. So, yeah. My, I literally, so on um, when I got divorced, internally on Facebook, because I, I didn't have my relationship status public. And so I was like, all right, well, this is really happening. And like as a signal to myself, like as a, just a, like a ritual, because I, like I am that kind of guy, like I, I believe in ritual. Um, and I went and changed my relationship status from married to single, not public but like just changed it on Facebook as like a, all right, to myself, I really am single. Little did I know when you do that, public, like it defaults to public and you have to, you have to specifically click, or at least at the time, I don't know what it does now, but you have to specifically click not public, private. Like it defaults to public again. I so remember this. <laughs> everyone got a notification. All of my friends got a no got something in their feed that was, Chris has changed his relationship status from married to single. Oh, how many people called you and said they were praying for you? <laughs> well, I'm praying for you, man. Uh, Everything's going to be fine. Thankfully, I was in a setting where it was either the only people who called me were people who were really close to me. And everyone else was like, we don't know what to say. Um, and, I, you know, I, I corrected it as quickly as I could. So it didn't go completely public, but... It, you know, it's, it's a church, like yeah. words travels fast. So yeah, it, yeah, it's like, but it was also kind of a godsend, like, cause it, it got it out there very quickly. Mm -hmm. It got it, like I didn't have, it, it took the, the responsibility off of me of like, how do I break the news to people? It's like, oh, well now everybody just knows. 
And now I don't have the op have to have the awkward conversation like you were describing, where like, hey, how's the wife? I don't know. You'll have to ask the guy she's fucking. Oh, <laughs> like, hey, like, I, that he, was on the tip of my yeah, tongue half the time. He knows better than I do, you know. Well, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was and I, I, it was so funny. I was just like walking fast in the hallways. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm fucking running. Like, why are you running? Don't worry. I have a meeting to get to. I have to go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I feel like we're probably at our... At time. At, at time to cheers. So, for those of you who are not in the know, we always end with the cheers. Is there anything that you would like to cheers, or would you like me to go first? I'll right. go. I'm going to cheers to Ryan. And to Ryan's brave vulnerability and growth over the last however many months. I'm very proud of you, and I'm glad that you are my friend. <laughs> a cheers for me would be, I mean, just thank you all for accepting me. Thank you all for bringing me into this. Courtney, Matt, of course, kudos to you guys. And then Chris, I mean, from the beginning, our conversations have always been awesome. I am upset we haven't fucking solved the whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I know, one of these days. But one of these days, we'll one of these days. It um, it's a matter of time. And yeah, just everyone listening, bring your whole self to the table. Be vulnerable. Be okay with your feelings. You know, accept if you're not doing okay. Share that with someone close to you if you want to, of course. Um, and uh, definitely hit up Chris. See if you can come to Bible study or... Or Join discipleship group, group or, you know, one of them. It, well, it's we're helped launching me. round two. It'll be a little bit before we launch. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're full up on unit two. So we'll <laughs> we're getting these to... certified so we can have two <laughs> yeah. going at the same right. time. Join the waiting list. Yeah. Um, I will cheers to... I feel really corny doing it, but it, re it really matters to me. It really is important. The democratic process. Oh, my gosh. I, it really, like, here's to freedom... And I'm not, I'm a fucking Democrat, <laughs> like, but rah, rah, star spangled freedom, you know, <laughs> like here is to the power of the people to choose their representatives and their leaders and fuck everyone else who tries to take that away from human beings. Like it is our sovereign God given right to be free and like God bless America and God bless all free lands where people do not embark on tyranny. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. God bless America. <laughs>